Welcome to Success Is Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman, serial entrepreneur, author, and podcast host. Whether success for you is more money, time with your family, a healthy, well-balanced life, or freedom, I'm interviewing guests and getting you the advice to make it happen. So join me as we uncomplicate the complicated, help you define success, and give you the strategies to make it happen. Thank you for joining me today on the Successes Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Portman. Joining me today is Dr. Eric Holzapple. Dr. Holzapple is a successful real estate CEO and developer, entrepreneur, founder of Living in the Gap, and author of the book, Profit with Presence. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Holzapple. Thanks for having me, Philip. It's an honor to be on. So let's start with, what does success mean to you? Well, I got to say that definition for me has has transformed over time, but today it would be to be happy. And to me, that's the same thing as presence, to be present and to be happy. Um, you know, if I, do you mind if I digress just a little bit and tell you how I got there? Absolutely. You know, the, you know, I had success as I, as I thought it was, as my, you know, mom and dad taught me or my dad more or less. And I learned in school and whatnot, you know, go out and get the, get the big job, you know, go make some money, do this, you know, do that kind of stuff. And I did that in my twenties. I was a CEO in my mid twenties and, and, uh, was running, running hard, traveling 50 weeks a year, had the title, had the Mercedes, you know, uh, and then, uh, and actually had a, had a apartment on, uh, what the heck it was Harbor towers right on the Bay in Boston and stepped on a scale one day. I was about 30 and it was the first time I'd slowed down in about four years. And I looked, <laughs> I looked at that and looked at the mayor and said, you better make some changes or you're not going to be around very long. And I was single. I was drinking too much. You know, I was miserable, you know, inside, outside. You know, I was I was heavy, but otherwise, you know, I looked like I was Mr. Successful. And I just started a journey then. You know, I left that job, uh, met my my now wife, uh, lost a bunch of weight, and I found yoga, which was my first entry into mindfulness. And then a couple of years later, my older brother, who was a poet, and my dad was a football coach, and they were oil and water. And I watched my older brother start meditation and move closer to my dad. And as he got in, they opened, my dad opened, and I got my whole family back. You know, and my dad didn't change at all. And I just got my first glimpse at how one person changing can change the world, change their view of the world and change other people. And, you know, it's, and my brother said, do you want to try it? And he, you know, got me started on it. And I did it for years as just a closet meditator. You know, it can be completely private and did some other things and uh years later if we get if we have time we can get into how it came into my business life but i really learned that uh that was being happy to be present in the moment and to be happy and it made everything in my life better you know it made my relationships better made me a you know a better husband made me uh much better at work i mean i was just a tough sob and I could figure out how to get things done. But I think when I left the room, a lot of people maybe washed their hands. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was tough and I still am tough, but I'm fairer. And I actually, you know, acknowledge people and and uh, have a little different taste of that. And and uh, I really learned and there was a study that just came out last week. I saw from Harvard that said the, the, the biggest indication of long term happiness that they did an 80 year study with people in Harvard was long-term relationships 
And I have also found that to be the key in business, you know, in downturns, when no one calls calls you back, <laughs> you know, all your all the ones you thought were just great. And you know, you really need something just to get over the hump. It's those long-term relationships of people take your call, take something in the committee, even though it's not uh, you know, the flavor of the month um those kind of things and and those have just made all the difference in my life and uh including with my kids that those are the most important thing in the world to me absolutely and you talk about that a few times in your book how you know you've been through the ups and downs in the economy yeah. you know as we get in into possibly an, a, another recession yeah um and the, how those relationships really kind of bailed you out a few times right all the time all the yeah. time so, you know, I, I think, you know, knowledge of finance and marketing, that's the entry just to get in. I mean, you got to have those things, but to stay in and to thrive. And also they're what make you happy. You know, those relationships, it isn't the money in the end. You find out how empty that is short. You know, if you have some you're a little while, you find out how empty that really is. You know, you just go somewhere and you're all by yourself. Oh, great. This is nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, could I hire somebody to be with me? You know, whatever it is. You know, so, um, yeah, that's those relationships are where you get the gratification and where you get the satisfaction. And and as I said, uh, in 08, you know, with that financial recession, it was totally relationships for us that got us through. We not even made it through. We thrived. We we increased our, our portfolio and whatnot because people wanted to work with us, you know, even even though it wasn't easy. Yeah. I, and I read articles talking about how the rich seem to get richer, even during downturns in the economy. Well, there's, there's, there's better buys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's the day you buy something is usually the biggest day. That's so right. I've made a lot more money in downturns than I have in upturns. Mm -hmm. You know, I agree with you. But, on that. So I'll talk a little bit about a, a, a quote from your book, uh, hoping you can expand on it a little bit more. And it says, you cannot become successful. You can only be successful in the moment. You cannot become present. You can be present only in the moment. You cannot become happy. You can only be happy in the moment. Yeah. You know, and and it, it's let's just go to profit. You know, profit isn't isn't a purpose. And if I'm always thinking of the outcome, then I can't be there for the experience. I can't be, you know, multitasking, we can do it, but we can't do it with focus on everything. One, maybe two things, depending on what it is. But, you know, but I can do a lot of things, but I can't really focus on them. So in that focus, in the, and that ties to my living in the gap, is that gap in between things. It's like when you look at a dramatic sunset or sunrise or view and your mind just goes, ah, oh, and you feel that, that's because the mind slows down and there's a gap. It's just like, ah, oh. and we can create that in our own lives and we can create that at work. But uh, so what I say that is like, I'm a results guy. I set up times when I review things, you know, some things are quarterly, some things are monthly, some things are weekly. And when they aren't going well, I adjust them. And then I forget about it until the next time I say, this is what I'm going to do. My job right now is to be with Philip on this podcast, <laughs> you know, and if I can be there with you, I'm happy. That's success to me, to be present and be able to be there with what I'm doing is all of that to me. And in fact, my being able to do that is what makes me deliver on the results. My being able to be present and take action and actually be someone that's approachable and you can have a conversation with me, 
means that someone on my team may come up and say, hey, something's not going well. Let me tell you about it. Or, gosh, I got a personal item that's really going to impact me. You got a minute? You know, yeah, I do. Not, oh, geez, you know, I, can you send me a memo? You know, it's no, have a seat. Let's let's do this. Let's figure it out. You know, because as a leader, you want you want to know things before they happen. You want to have a communication with somebody and that requires a little space and it requires you to pay attention. I just find that we're so busy. And all the other thing is that's how you notice opportunity by being a little present and having a little space. And, you know, when things go down, you know, something else is going to happen. That's good. When things go down, if you're paying attention, I always say, and I've said this for years, is when the good Lord shuts the door, he opens a window. You know, there's something else that's going to happen if I'm paying attention. I can tell you countless things. We've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and later turned it into millions. Mm -hmm. You know, because we paid attention, we learned, and we were willing to adapt. And that's presence too. That's my ability to pay attention and adapt and not, we're usually so upset that we didn't get our result that we wanted that our mind closes down and we don't see the things that are, are, are possible for us. Because I think I know what's going to happen, but I've learned over a lot of years, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know if interest rates going up or down. And I learned through getting a PhD in economics, no one else does either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't know. People will tell you they know, but the world's so complicated. We don't know. Yeah, that was it's something I always found interesting in business is, is I always thought, the, the bigger companies had it figured out, right? Like they understand the marketing, they understand the direction of the economy and all that. And then as you work with them over time, you realize they have no idea. You know, they're, they're often shooting in the dark the same as you are. Um, you know, and, and I like what you talked about with keeping an open mind and the positivity to accept some of those things that you yeah. couldn't predict. Um, and so then another one more thing I was just reading, we're running an eight week corporate mindfulness program right now. And I was just reading, we're doing the happiness advantage with Sean Archer, which is just a great book. One of the things in there, it says the, uh, the ratio, I think it was the, the sorter line. He calls it, you need uh, three times your teams need three times positive feedback to negative to be successful. That's the science. And he's a Harvard researcher, but normally it's reversed or worse. You know, it's always correct and, and you know, say this and find fault and do this. It's hardly ever, you know, finding, I, I found, you know, find what people are doing right and focus on that. And what you focus on expands. Sorry, to, uh, you were going somewhere else, but I couldn't. No, yeah, that. yeah, no. Thank, thank you for expanding on that. I, if you wouldn't mind, you, you briefly mentioned living in the gap. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, it's the, there's a lot of gaps. You know, and I believe life and, and business happen in the gaps. So the main gap is the gap when one thought stops before another one starts. It's also the gap in that incessant little voice in our head that's, you know, barking at us. We can we can slow that down. We can get a gap. We can also turn that to be a little more positive force. Um, you know, and there's and other gaps there are is like gaps between meetings. I mean, meetings are usually decided before they start. You know, you're going to a board meeting, you think you're going to get it on. If you don't have it, you know, they've already decided. They're just leading you to the decision. If you're not part of that process and part of that, you know, you're not going to have a lot of success. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different gaps. Also, the gap is from where I am and where I want to go. That's development. But I got to get flat on where I am. 
you know, <laughs> where my weight is, what my financial balance sheet is, what my resources are and where I want to go. And then I find that gap, that line development line lays out. That's the easy part. But people, you know, we got to get flat on that. There's a lot of different gaps. And I find that's where the interesting thing in life is meeting those gaps. Yeah, absolutely. Embracing that, right? Yeah. So what you talk about in your book is the abundance mindset mm-hmm. instead of the scarcity mindset. Um, my wife and I have had this this conversation many times. Um, she, we were talking about, um, you know, how old money is. If you you see somebody with old money, or you know, you think about a museum, they have limited resources, so they're they're almost stingy with with how they spend their their money, you know, and how they invest and that yeah. sort of thing. And um, and I have a different approach. Um, I, I believe that there's, you know, plenty of wealth out there and, and, and I want a, a growth, you know, uh, yeah. mindset. Um, it, the, the question I would have is with me, it's, it's, it seems to make sense because it's an entrepreneur mindset. I'm focused on growth, 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 yeah. growth. But how does somebody live with an abundance mindset when they have limited resources? Starts with gratitude. You know, being grateful for what you have and notice and noticing that. And the other thing I think is to realize that even, you know, there's billionaires that are miserable. It, it isn't just I'm not saying that you can't accumulate resources and material wealth by being, you know, in a scarcity mindset and, and being tough. And I think we all know people that can do that. But I have found also that, you know, we think, okay, and then I hit my goals and then I'm going to, you know, go work at the food kitchen and I'm going to, you know, start mindfulness and I'm going to, you know, be happy and I'll start spending time with my kids. Well, my experience with myself and with other successful people I know is we just move the goalpost. We just want more. It's the second house, the second country club, the Tahiti vacation, this kind of stuff once we get there. And it just never ends. I mean, I just look at the the space race with the billionaires going to the moon and I go, well, what is really going on? Are they are they really trying to transform humanity or are they looking for the next high? You know, if we can find a way to be happy now, it opens our mind up. It creates all kinds of opportunity and the way mirror neurons work and, and other things in us is when we give people want to give back to us. And that's how karma works. When I from generosity, I'm giving. People want to work with givers. They just do. And I want to work with other givers too, because that they share the pie and they share things. If I, if I, if I'm just working for takers, then you know it's not going to work as leverage. That's why I say nonprofit boardrooms and working on projects and whatnot. That's where I meet other people that have the same mindset. And that's where you just explode. Yeah. You know. It, it just you get in that mindset and other people see you and they know you like you and trust you. You get them. know you, If you're meeting somebody arm to arm, building a habitat house or something, you get to know them on a whole different level than you do just at a closing or, a you know, a cold call or something. It's just different. And when they need something, you're in flow with them and they go, hey, Philip, you know, what about this? And you go, yeah, maybe not. Maybe, you know, my friend Robert does that. Or whatever it is, but we've I've developed shopping centers like that. I was in a nonprofit board meeting, and a guy by Ralph came up to me and said, uh, "Eric, you know, I love what you do with CSU and the community North College in Fort Collins, and he's a developer. Would you go meet with so and so?" 
And I said, sure. I went and had lunch with a guy. Five years later, I'm building a major shopping center on that end of town. It was just happened. I was in flow and it, you know, I listened and it was like, boom, went up there and that guy trusted me and I knew other people in the community and, you know, it just happened. But, you know, if I had just, you know, when I've done it the other way too, just saying, I'm going to do this and I go out and find a way to do it and whatnot, but it's so much easier and so much more enlivening. Uh, I, I just find that it's a tremendous business strategy, although you don't go into it. You go into it to make a difference and to give, That's right. <laughs> but it works. But it works. And it's it how capitalism works for me. That's how right. capitalism works for everybody. We're all worried about the 1% and the 10%. Well, if the 1% and the 10% are giving back and being part of the solution and coming up with things, because the market's a lot better off if we have a middle class of people that can actually buy things, mm -hmm. you know, versus, you know, only 1% or 1%, 5% or 10% to have any money. That's a small market. I want a market where everybody can buy things. Absolutely. <laughs> And I think what you're, you're you're describing too is is a better use of energy management, right? Because yeah. then you're not spending the whole time trying to convince somebody or trying to pitch something. You've already got the relationship built up, and uh, and you can head in the direction that you want to go. And the whole theory is, you know, I'm doing this business and all this stuff to be happy. I'm gonna go get the money to buy things to make me happy. But the fallacy is, I have to be happy first. I'm not going to find happiness in those things. So if I can be happy now, I can be even more successful and enjoy the ride and enjoy the, I mean, the, the people that I'm working with are every bit as worthy of my love and respect and friendship as anybody I grew up with or my family or, you know, someone I plan to meet, you know, in Tahiti. They're awesome people. If yeah. I can just look at them really as people, not just as a vehicle to get what I want from them so that later yeah. I can go be happy. We spend eight, 10 hours a day at work if you're a driver. I mean, what a waste <laughs> not to be happy and share love and, you know, community with that group. I think yeah. it's a waste. I love to work. I mean, I don't have to work. I love to work. Mm -hmm. so. so something, I want to, another quote from your book, if you don't mind. Uh, you Please. said, when I hear people say, I can't get motivated or supervisors say, I can't get them motivated. I wonder whether these people are aligned with their purpose or whether they have ever considered what their purpose in life is. How do you help identify purpose? Well, one of the problems that we have is that culture has put a purpose in us. You know, our families have, schools have, governments have media does it's you know i gotta go out and buy and and make things and consume things that's you know i gotta increase gdp everything is there you know and it's just a lie i mean it's all great i mean i love i love taking trips i love skiing i love bacondo i mean it's nothing's wrong with any of it until i try to find my purpose or happiness in it or profit Profit's not a purpose. Profit is the result of my doing something purposeful that someone else rewards me for, you know, that, that that does that. But if I'm just looking to the profit, that's empty. It's, you know, and if I'm just looking to my employees to make a profit for me, how do they feel when they show up at work? Oh, God, I just feel like taking a shower, you know? What about infusing, the, you know, your your company with a vision, 
you know, that helps people find purpose. Most people want to find, to work, to make things better, to improve a community, to improve the world a little bit and make a profit. We all know we have to make a profit. We won't be here, right? That's what makes the world go round. But if we, it doesn't, it's, it's not the profit that comes first. It's finding a need that needs to be fulfilled and filling it. So I think, uh, you know, uh, we talk about an inner purpose and an outer purpose and an inner purpose is just, you know, acknowledging our humanness that we want to be happy and present and acknowledging that and, and actually know we're in this human form and that we have a higher dimension and those kinds of experience that to me is purpose. And then where are my physical attributes? Where am I, where do my passions and my abilities mix? You know, where do I really, really, where do those things really go? Because like, as a kid, I loved to sing. I was terrible. <laughs> Get out of here. You know, but there's other things, real estate, you know, I'm really good at, and I love it. Yeah. So they that's both where, that's a good Yeah. And then if I can get some community in that and get relationships and those kind of things, that gives me a real purpose. And I've taken real estate, you know, and moved it into saying, okay, I developed real estate for years. Now I develop people, Yeah, you know, and a lot of those are great real estate people. And I look at when they go out and if they're like our group here, they're from chairman of the food bank on the, on the hospital foundation board, chamber of the, you know, chamber of commerce chair. We run a coats and boots program where all the employees here go out and we, everybody on free and reduced lunch in town gets coats and boots uh, in, in grammar school that, you know, this, those kind of things, those give people purpose. You know, why are we here? You know, connect, connection and and improvement. I mean, and those to me, so I all the time people say I can't get motivated. Yeah, well, I find something to do where you bounce out of bed. You know, you can't wait to get out. What what would do that for you? What would you do without the money? You know, look at those kind of things. What would give you some purpose? I believe we're in a body to take action. And I, I believe it's action with presence to be awake and know and you know and take mindful action, and that's why they gave us a body and breath, you know. And if we're not taking action, let's look at why we're not, not just jamming it. Oh, you got to, or I'll fire you, you know. And sometimes that happens, you know. And hopefully through that process, that person bumps along and finds something that they find purpose. But it can be intentional. I can go dive within and go, okay, first why don't I find out who I am. You know, not who my school told me I was for my IQ test and not who my parents told me I were because of all the deficits they had. Not who, you know, my employer told me that they needed, but who the heck am I? What do I want to accomplish in this life? And can I feel like I'm making a difference? If I can, I bounce out of bed. You know, I want to get out of bed. I want to go. And, and do that, you know, do the next thing. I love taking action. Yeah. Everybody probably doesn't have my energy level, but if you don't want to do anything, look at it. Why are you here? Yeah. You know? But I would say if they, if they don't have their, their, your energy level, it's maybe they're in a position or they're making choices that are not in line with, with yeah, who totally. they are or how they want to live. Um, we're all energy, right? It's at the basis of everything. If we're flowing, if we're flowing with life, we have energy. And if we don't have energy, that's something to look at. It could be physical, could be a health thing. I've got a kid that's going through a health thing right now, having trouble with energy and working on it. But, you know, when we get through that, then what is it? Yeah, if we. 
So my wife and I did something years ago, and and this was early on. I was in my early twenties, and and uh, we both wrote down a hundred things that we wanted to achieve in life. Awesome. And then we lifeless. Had, yeah, we had a conversation around it. Awesome. And uh, <laughs> you couldn't meet two different people that are married and get along as well as we do because our our lists were very very different. Yeah. But it was an important dialogue, and it 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 kind of helped shape the rest of my life. And when I was in the corporate world and and doing things that didn't align with that list, it, it was very evident. You know, I was self sabotaging, low energy, and you know, and and it and it, it helped align. There you go. Um, you went through quite a transition, um, being in the academia world uh, to moving into um, you know, real estate development that, uh, how did you make that decision? Where did that thought process come from that? I mean, cause that's a pretty big shift that you made there. Well, I went in and out of it a few times. I mean, I was in business for a dozen years and I decided to go back and get a PhD in economics because I didn't find, I wasn't having purpose. You know, I didn't find purpose. I didn't find meaning in the money and the titles and I was dying, you know, literally. So, I said, oh, you know, teach. My dad was a teacher. Go, you know, and and I love to teach. But I also found that I'm an entrepreneur and that system is not entrepreneurial. You know, in that system, I, I, I wasn't appreciated and rewarded because, you know, I'm a bull in a china shop. I just, you know, I'm a ready fire aim guy and that ain't that process. Oh, bureaucracy <laughs> you know? and stuff like that. I can only but imagine. I love the kids. Yeah. So I did it as adjunct and I went in and out of it a few times when they needed. I went in full time for a few years and came out of it. But I really realized, you know, the more I went into it, it was just so stressful to me because I wasn't a fit, you know, in that. But with kids and whatnot, I, I just love that. I love placing them. I love, you know, internships and training them. And I just love all that. And so it morphed into living in the gap, you know, after I, I did it for 20 years and I loved it. And then I morphed it into living in the gap uh, where I train professionals to be more mindful in it. So I love that part of it. And I found, you know, through trial and error, really, I wasn't a genius. I tried everything and things weren't working. You know, I, I try something else uh, and I wouldn't regret, I regret a minute of it. I got so much more out of giving there. You know, it's funny. I went in, uh, helped them start the real estate center. We endowed a chair with my partner and did all and built a real estate program up. And um, and I had no intention of of getting something back from it. You know, I made a lot more money on in my real estate business. And I mean, there was like a you know, not not there's mostly adjunct salary was a couple thousand dollars a year or something. Um, and a lot of times I, I donated that. But it was like the context that I made, like I have four partners here now that I met there at the university, <laughs> you know, that came through as an intern. A lot of them, a lot of them went through somewhere else. And then I knew somebody somewhere else. And during the downtown of 08, you know, some of those same contacts were ones that took my call and, you know, said, yeah, how about this? How about this person to buy that? How about this bank to finance it? And it was just, you know, I gave and that's karma, man. Came cause and effect came back to me. No, I didn't do it for that. But when I look back on it and I'm, the story I'm trying to share is, you know, don't worry, man, give, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's okay. As you said, there's more where they made that, you know, it's a bigger pie and uh, it sets your karma. Mm -hmm. 
So giving back to our audience, uh, describe some of the methods or tactics that you employ to maintain uh, mindfulness and explain how yeah. they can do that. Yeah. And I would say, number one, to realize it's a process, you know, it's, it's, it starts. And when you know more, you see more. So I would start small uh, and try to be consistent and come up with some practices Meditation doesn't work for everybody, especially at first, but sometimes that's because people try to do it too long. We do two minutes to start. I've got a group of uh, uh, mindful in our mindful leadership cohort. Now we started, they started in August and there was a, you know, a, a, like a three week lead up up to that. So let's say you started in July and now most of them are up to 10 minutes. You know, it's a long, but it's a, it's a process and they aren't all doing it every day, even, you know, so start where you are, but start small. If you're going to do one thing, start gratitudes, you know, if that, that will change your whole mindset and maybe give you some space and some incentive to do more mindful walks, which means leaving your smartphone behind for 10 minutes, just take a walk (laughs) around the building Fill up, you know, look at the trees, just take a breath, feel the fresh air. I mean, we're so, we're so uh, divorced right there, from nature, from natural, you know, streams and rivers and try to get out in that once a week, at least somehow in nature. Uh, start small, be consistent um, and have the intention of being mindful in everything you do. The, the whole transformation is living an intentional life, not a life on accident. Or an act, a life that's just pulled from strings from social media and media and, you know, business people like us that are trying to get you to do something, you know, <laughs> fight yeah. that. We're pretty good at it, you know, and this is not going to stop. So you got to you got to say, no, I'm going to take my focus back, which is mindfulness, focus. I'm going to take my focus back. I'm going to control my life. That's what it is, really. And there's practices to do that. I, I don't know how to do it without practice. One of the biggest traps is people, intellectualism. They just say, oh, I got it. Oh, mindful. I'll be mindful. That's just the brain playing tricks on you. No matter how smart you are, it's a practice. Just being in the body, being in breath, developing your intuition. And uh, get started. Well, thank you so much uh, for getting on with us today. Uh, Profit with Presence, fantastic book. Uh, Personally, myself, uh, I took a lot from it. I've been focusing on uh, meditation myself. It's been something I've been trying to work on for a really long time. Uh, Your your book inspired me to to really put a focus on it. Um, You know, something else I I have had an opportunity to do is is the gratitude component. And I got to tell you, uh, thinking about some of the things I, I, I had a thought about uh, some of my employees and um, and it really brought a smile to my face and brought me joy. And, awesome. and before I was I was going to bed the other night, I I pulled that thought back up again. And, you know, how sometimes your mind just gets so busy at night right before you're going to go to bed yeah. and it gets filled with a lot of things. And. And I really had this sense of joy, kind of like what you're describing with looking at that sunset, right? Um, and uh, and and your book really helped me do that. So I, I wanted to say I appreciate that. You can do it at work, man. If you practice, you can bring that joy to work. I really so appreciate the goal. that. Uh, but Dr. Eric Holzapple, for our listeners, uh, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find out about uh, sure. this book? How do they get more information? 
Sure. The book is uh, available for pre-sale on Amazon. Whoops, I get it on my face. Profit with Presence, the 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership. Pre-sale on Amazon. It ships March 7th, so get on there. And then uh, you can also get it on our website and anything else that we offer on livinginthegap.org. We have free resources. There's a 21-day introduction to mindfulness on there. There's, you know, how to do a body scan, which is really helpful to go to sleep sometimes or just getting in our body before meditation. Uh, book lists, those kind of things on there. Any any of our workshops that we have are, are listed on there. So livinginthegap.org. Well, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Successes Podcast. We'll see you next thank, time. Thank you.